it's now time for an in-depth look dedicated to all things pertaining to the New York Red Bulls, tackling all of the latest news and happenings both on and off the pitch. This is the Fall of Bulls Podcast. No World Cup break for the Red Bulls as they collected four points in the standings over the past two games. We look back at the draw at Columbus and the win versus Seattle at Red Bull Arena and get you ready for a trip to Philly where a spot in the U.S. Open Cup quarterfinals is up for grabs. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Full of Bulls podcast. Mike Corbett right here over there. Alfredo Fumasas. We're talking about the New York Red Bulls. They had a couple games this past week and a U.S. Open Cup match coming up this weekend. Of course, you can always follow us on our Twitter page at FOBS Podcast. On Instagram at Full of Bulls. Find us on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes. Alfredo, how you doing this evening? I know it's um, the World Cup is about to start, but we still we got a lot of uh, Red Bulls action going on. There's no break for the Red Bulls, it seems. Yeah, Mike, I'm doing well. I'm excited about the World Cup being here. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and actually at a at a schedule where us North Americans can watch, right? So it's nothing early in the morning. And it's nothing too late at night. Oh, so yeah, for the for the uh, in uh, twenty twenty six when. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 pretty good for us. It's pretty good. I'm excited. This yeah. you know, as uh, every uh, football fan should be, uh, every four years is a big competition. There's always a thing about competitions like this. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for Portugal's debut tomorrow uh, against yeah. Spain. Uh, so I, I'm just excited, man. As a, as a, as a soccer fan, football fan, you need to be excited about things like this, and even as a neutral. Somebody that just likes to watch the sport and likes to watch it at a good quality, I think you should be excited about the tournament. Yeah, you know, I really don't have any uh, skin in, in the fight this year, but I still turn the games on and watch them. I was watching at work today, the Russia and uh, Saudi Arabia game today. Not one, of, not one of the ones you really want for the high, highlight reel, but hey, it, it's the it, it's just like the Olympic experience, just there to be there, some people, you know? Yeah. But hey, they, they made it though, you know. The you know, U.S. didn't make it so. But besides, besides the fact, um, <laughs> the Red Bulls though, obviously MLS doesn't really shut down. They, well, I guess they sort of did for the next two weeks, but there's still a lot of action going on, in particular with the Red Bulls. And they had two matches over the last few days. We were talking on the last podcast how they had about five coming up in 15 days. Well, they just uh, knocked off two more of those. Uh, start off first with. The one on Saturday, which uh, I was watching over my uh, my sister and brother-in-law's house while they were, you know, all the, the pre-race stuff coming off of the Belmont Stakes. I had my uh, tablet there, so I was watching um, the ESPN feed on my tablet, the Red Bulls and crew. You know, maybe it's the last time ever the Red Bulls have to head out to Columbus. We'll see what happens with that whole uh, fight with the Save the Crew. Red Bulls did head out to, to Columbus. They got the 1-1 draw, and playing shorthanded, obviously, with international call-ups such as Adams and Parker off at the U.S., Mario Escobar with Panama, Kaku got called up by Paraguay. So the Red, Red Bulls really to be able to go out on, you know, get a point on the road in Columbus, not too bad, especially after the way the, the game first started, Alfredo, yeah. where the first half, Columbus just dominated them. They, they, I was reading, they outshot them New York 15 to two in shots in, yeah. in, in, in soccer in the first half uh, for the game overall it was 18 to 11. Yeah. But just, you know, that, that first half where it, they were just all over. If it wasn't for a couple of saves by Luis Robles, by the way, you're welcome back, Luis Robles. Um, you know, Ryan Mir did a great job in his absence, but you know, Luis was in there. 
he was put to the test right away, <laughs> Alfredo. Yeah, look, I, I think that the, the Red Bulls finished that half being uh, very fortunate um, that they were only down by one nothing. I mean, yeah. so the, the woodwork. They won off the, yeah, the post. Woodwork then... a couple times. Uh, saves by Luis Robles, as you mentioned. Uh, countless of other opportunities where the Columbus should have really put yeah. them away. Our uh, old and, pal Mike Rella, he had a miss there too. <laughs> uh, welcome back, Mike. Yeah, he sure did. And and the thing is that I think Jesse tweaked the lineup a little bit. The the line the formation in the midfield changed a little bit um, because uh, he, he had mentioned that he wanted to try a few different things. Mm -hmm. And then in the second half, he, he he went back to the more traditional what we're used to seeing. That's uh, what that's formation. what I wanted to get on. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted to get on that where um, you have a, you're more of a, a soccer football mind than I do, just especially when it comes to the you know, the tactics and really a technical stuff. You can pick up stuff. You know, you point out things. To me, when we're at the game sometimes. I go, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> but just exactly. You know, what was the real big change? If you could dive deeper into it, like the big changes that actually they, you know, from the first half to the second, because the second half, it was almost um, as if the teams switched jerseys at the half because the Red Bulls were totally on top of Columbus and Columbus really had nothing going on. So, what exactly did Jesse do at halftime really change things around? Yeah, the, the biggest thing was really the midfield three. Uh, and when they started against Columbus, there was, uh, uh, you know, the, instead of having uh, two guys uh, as the as the two pivots as at defensive midfield, he only had uh, Sean Davis, and Sean Davis struggled, and and uh, uh, Zardes kept finding spaces in between lines. Uh, Iguain kept finding spaces in between lines and and getting behind those guys, and and every time the Red Bulls uh, pressed, they were opening up spaces behind them. So they weren't really shoring up like they usually do when they play two guys in the back there side by side as the two pivots with Tyler Adams and and, mm -hmm. and Sean Davis uh, in the midfield there. They weren't really playing like that. And I think that every time the Columbus was allowed to build out and find those spaces in the midfield, they were just overpowering the Red Bulls in the midfield. Now, when... Um, when, when the second half starts, then they revert to a more familiar position, uh, more familiar uh, formation with two guys in the midfield, and they kind of balance that out. Of course, when you when you look at uh, a player of the talent of like Iguain, and mm -hmm. you got the other guy Arturo, I think, or Eduardo, um, the other Columbus player, the the Brazilian. I, I mean, they really, really uh, uh, put the, the, the Red Bulls through their paces and, and, and the Red Bulls really struggled in that first half. And if it wasn't for that uh, change at halftime, uh, perhaps the, the Red Bulls wouldn't have been able to get out of uh, Columbus with uh, with the tide. They were they were fortunate uh, to get that goal, but they did start. Uh, it looks like they got an earful from Jesse Marsh at the half and they yeah. did start much better in the second half. They were able to capitalize on a dead ball situation and Alex Muil yeah. uh, put uh, put the ball uh, in the net. Uh, and, but and, and that was that was also a thing, a great pass from Shakovsky, uh, yeah. you know, who came on, Mark Shakovsky, who'd been out with an injury. He came on in the 18th minute because Vincent Bezacourt went out with an injury, diagnosed later on with a sprain right MCL. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. But yeah, that that pass where you know, it looked like the Red Bulls were going to get one, but yeah, it came off for a set piece. But yeah. nonetheless, just that that play itself that was great. Yeah. So the, I mean, the biggest difference was really how the the midfield three uh, lined up and, and mm -hmm. how they were able to close up spaces and close up gaps and to close up the lines that uh, Columbus was 
finding uh, to beat the, the the rebels. There's plenty of space behind those uh, the defenders, the center midfield fielders back and after the adjustment the game became a little bit more balanced the columbus however they still dominated but they weren't to they weren't able to produce as many chances in the second half yeah. as they produced in the first half and a lot of that has to do with the defensive work the midfield was now doing and shutting down guys that could come up be between lines and 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 feed the balls to to the forwards in the final third just with some of the players, I think probably had an effect, especially with the, the second half limiting Columbus and also eventually helping the Red Bulls get that goal and earn a point. Just uh, they talked about him a little bit at halftime of last night's game, which we'll talk about a little bit later. You know, Hassan Nadam, where he is someone that they had high hopes for. He's been coming up through Red Bull, too. Still a young guy. He came on. Thought he, he did a solid job. Obviously, Mark Shakovsky, who came off of Bezicourt, maybe unplanned. But uh, the effort he put in and Alex Muriels, a lot of times he could be uh, much maligned by the Red Bull fan base where you never know what you're going to get from game to the game. One game you think he, oh, he looks really good. Hey, he's promising. Other times he's going, uh, OK, you know, you know, that wasn't yeah. that wasn't so great. Just those um, three players in particular and just uh, the roles that they played on Saturday. Yeah, look, I, I recognize Nadam's uh, talent. Uh, but to me, when and, and when I see him play, he still has a lot of learning to do mm -hmm. uh, as a young center back. Uh, yeah. uh, as a young center back, I know that your athleticism, your speed, your height, uh, your aerial coverage could do a lot of things for you. But when it comes to playing a center center back position, you the one thing that you have to have down is your positioning because your positioning can disorganize the defensive line can put the defensive line on their back foot can open up spaces and i think that right now that's the biggest thing that nadam needs to learn is that positioning but that that all comes with time it comes with reps it comes with getting uh the minutes uh with with the main team getting used to it of course he, he's probably i i haven't watched him in rb2 but I'm, he's probably dominating in rb2 but uh mls is a totally different pace step up yeah. of the game uh, so he has to get used to and he has to position himself and has to put himself in the, in the right position where he's not going to compromise what defensively the Red Bulls are trying to do. But I do recognize that he's a talent. Siskowski, you know, he, he's, a, he's a guy that uh, has that uh, European pedigree. I love the way... He, he hits uh, he hits free kicks because he always whips him uh, in a in, into the box and a different was, option too because he's a left footed guy so it's yeah. a little bit of a different option you can throw and out he, there and here's the thing when you go from Sasha Kleshin, which was the guy that basically f almost floated balls into mm -hmm. the, into the box and you go to this guy who's whipping balls so there there's a better chance that it, that a forward if he gets or, or somebody gets a, a head on the ball they have a better chance at goal than a floated ball when you got you got to put a lot more effort into putting power behind your header. So I like that and it is also much harder to defend because it's a ball that's whipped, it's a quick ball and usually there's some movement because the ball is being hit uh uh with pace. So I I like I like what he brings to the team but I mm -hmm. I still think that he is yet to uh acclimate himself with the way this team plays style. and really we have yet to see the best out of him.
And who was the other player that you had? Uh, just talking about Muil again. Just, um, just his Look, performance. Uh, Muil is the guy that uh, that you. I, I wonder, I wonder when, he, when he stuck his fingers in his ears. Uh, if that was for the Columbus Crew fans no, or was it for the the Red Bull fans? I, I think I think that he, he gets a lot of criticism from the Red Bull fan base. Um, and I, Alex Muil is the type of player that you're 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 cursing at him, and one minute and two minutes later you're praising him for a good play that he did or, or for the effort that he's put in uh, or, or for a goal like that, because that's very, uh, that's not a very traditional Alex, Alex Muil uh, goal, uh, raising up and, and getting yeah. beaten people on the header on a free kick. That's not really uh, his thing, but Alex Muil, he just has a way of polarizing the fan base. Sometimes it could be, uh, very frustrating to watch the way he plays. Uh, and other times it's like, well, thank God that he's got that he put in that effort and he was able to get something out of it, you know. But uh, he, he could be frustrating to watch at times. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I'm not going to get to it now, but we'll, we'll get back to our, our buddy Alex after we, we run down. The, the, I have the a note in regards to that too, also. The, the the Seattle game. So I guess overall, you said you're, you're happy with the point there. You think the Red Bulls yeah. might have been able to come away with uh, two more at the end, or you think eh, just, you know, the way the game went. You know, a point in Columbus place, it's normally tough to play. Yeah, you look, you have to be happy with the point in Columbus. Yeah. It could have been a lot worse, especially when I you know. put out a, a performance like that. And uh, the other thing, I mean, it, it's hot. Missing guys, too. It was a warm day. Yeah, they took a, hydra a hydration break, which yeah. is usually an indication of how, how hot it is. I'm going to take one right now, so I keep on talking. Okay. Yeah, miss, you know, missing important key uh, guys uh, on your team, especially Parker who's been so solid for this defense. And you, you notice when he's out and you notice when he's in for sure. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, the thing is that uh, the Rebels were fortunate enough. Obviously, you would have loved to uh, uh, got come out of there with the three points uh, because you got games on hand. Uh, you're playing the team that's just above you. You got a chance to, to get some of those points uh, back. Uh, but uh, it wasn't meant to be. So I think that the Red Bulls... Uh, because of the performance they put in, I think they have to be very, very, uh, very fortunate, and they have to feel good about the the end result. Yeah, yeah especially if you look at the way the Columbus played the week before, coming back from three 0 down to get the draw against Toronto. So yeah, it's, they didn't give up three points and have them pull further away. They sort of just kept pace with Columbus right ahead of them. So yeah. All in all, with the day, not too bad. And uh, it was also, just to, to cap it off with, uh, before that, the game leading into the Red Bulls game was the, the friendly United States had with France. Uh, I know I have this down in the news and notes, but I'll just sort of just throw this in here real quick before we get to the Seattle, you know, Sounders game, mainly because, you know, Tyler Adams and Tim Barker, Parker, 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 uh, both played in that match. A 1-1 draw against France, yeah, you could say it's a friendly. France is looking ahead to the World Cup, but if you saw that lineup, before the game started, uh, you know, first I said, all right, cool. Tyler's starting, Tim, you know, Parker's getting the start. Uh, then I look at Francis' lineup. I was like, oh, my word. You know, yeah, it's a friendly, but, you know, France wasn't going into that match to come away with, you know, 1-1 one, one draw. I mean, it obviously doesn't mean anything, but France was looking, you know, hunting for bear there before they, they went off to Russia. And to come away with a 1-1 one, one draw, Tim, you know, Parker was right in the middle of the defense, heading balls away, being, you know, being active same thing with tyler in the midfield france pretty much dominated a lot of possession and you know they they you know they missed some chances too but 
overall not too bad with the the U.S. to come away with a draw in France. It, yeah. I think it was the first time they ever scored a goal in France. Yeah, you know, <laughs> play, you know, playing against France. Yeah, look, uh, it, it is a friendly, but yeah. this is the last game before France heads out to Russia. Yeah. There's there's a lot of things that these guys need to make sure that they're doing that they're correcting that they're doing right this is the rehearsal for what you're going to do in this major tournament and france is a team with aspirations to win it all so they i wouldn't say that they took the united states lightly because i don't think they did because they they they, they were coming after yeah france. they dominated most of the game yeah. but this is this is far from just being a end of season exhibition game uh, you know, for, for the U.S. or France. France needs to know that at this point they have to be clicking on all cylinders mm -hmm. uh, before they step uh, on the field in Russia. Yeah. So and, I thought it was it was a good effort by the guys after yeah. they had lost to, to Ireland the week before. So yeah. good for them. I know Tim Parker, there's this piece right now on MLSsoccer.com about him just acknowledging his effort that he put in. Yeah. In, in both matches and stuff like that. So it's yeah. good to see him getting some recognition. And we always knew that Tyler would probably be someone that the Red, that the Red Bulls, that the U.S. would have their sights on in the future as being one of their, their key pieces. You know, maybe this gets Parker some more call-ups. I mean – I don't think right now, I don't think they could do any worse with him. You know, throwing him back there. Yeah. There's some of their other options right now. Yeah. Here's the thing that I wanted to say about Parker. I think that Parker's performance in, in, in France was, was, a, was a standout performance. I thought he did very well. And look, the, look at the caliber of players, players that he's going against. Yeah. But I think that, the, that Parker's, uh, current form and, and, and this performance with the national team, I think it's a, it's a reflection of where Tim Parker is these days, right? So he was up in in uh, in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, apparently, didn't want to be there. Uh, had the 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 high profile move uh, to to the Red Bulls. Has been playing well for the Red Bulls. Has provided consistency and uh, solidity to to that defense. And he's he's enjoying his playing right now with the Red Bulls. So it it the the the. The fact that he's carried it over to the U.S. to the, to the men's national team and he's played well—it's only a reflection of of how Tim Parker, what his state of mind is currently. He's enjoying yeah. his football. He's playing well. Uh, he's confident. And 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 the U.S. national U.S. Uh, men's national team should take advantage of of guys like this. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I you know they'll probably reconvene after the World Cup. I think in August, September. I think they have some friendlies on the horizon. In the fall against England, I believe Italy, probably Mexico again. They always you know, play Mexico a couple of times. So, yeah, it'd be nice to see. I mean, obviously, you're talking about during that time, during a stretch run for the Red Bulls heading into the postseason. But if it's you know situations where the league is shut down, then you know, so be it. Go have fun. All right. Well, we'll get to the match that was Wednesday night. The Red Bulls came back home and defeated the Seattle Sounders 2-1 at Red Bull Arena. They have Tim Parker and Adams coming back to the starting 11 after duty with the U.S. team. Daniel Royer on a bit of a hot streak. He scored in the 37th minute a pass from uh, Florian Valo that uh, was probably intended for BWP, but got past BWP. Royer was there, but the back post put it in 1-0. Um, Red Bulls had a few more opportunities in the second half, didn't really uh, convert them. Finally, BWP in the 52nd minute converts off uh, a pass for someone you texted me last week when he was playing against NYCFC, uh, Ethan Cutler, 
where he was also given credit, eventually given credit for a secondary assist, a hockey assist on the first goal. But he had a nice pass to BWP uh, for the second goal and made it 2-0, which turned out to be the game-winning goal. Just how you talk about the synergy with the the, the academy system with the Red Bulls and Red Bull 2. Here's another guy, Ethan Cutler, who came in, made his debut against NYCFC last week. He had a cameo appearance for his first MLS uh, appearance against Columbus at the end of that match on Saturday, and he goes the full 90 against a team like Seattle who's struggling, but they still have some veterans there that, you know, that have been around this league quite a few years. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm very intrigued by Ethan Cutler. I thought when I first saw him against the NYCFC, um, I thought he did very well. Uh, I thought there was a couple of things that he could have improved, but overall I thought he, he was very, very good. Uh, he was confident. Uh, he was a guy that uh, playing in a magnitude of, of a derby didn't really show any nerves, uh, was calm and collected, knew where his next pass was going to be, uh, looked to, to break some lines with his passing out of the back. And I thought that he did the same thing against uh, Seattle. I thought that he was uh, he was very good. And I think that, uh, you know, the time that the Rebels uh, fans were, were worrying about who's going to replace Murillo, uh, and now that uh, Kyle Duncan is also out for the season with the with the knee injury who's going to place Mourinho when he's go who's going to replace Mourinho when he goes to the world cup and i think that the rebels have found that replacement in ethan cutler and yes he's a guy that's going to need more reps uh but he's a guy that has nice feet because from what i understand he used to play forward in college mm -hmm. uh, but he still needs a little bit to, to work on on his positioning um, as a defender, because if he catches a fast guy, he's going to be in trouble. But I thought he was very good on a ball, very confident once again, lifted his head, is looking for passes, is breaking lines with his passes, is, is finding streaking guys in between lines and in channels. And I thought that he, he played very well. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that the, the Red Bulls had that type of solution in RB2. And I think that's, when you look at this RB2 setup, that's what it's all about. I think it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's about developing players that could step in at any minute and fill in for the MLS uh, team, even though that the pace and, and the style might be uh, uh, some kind of uh, is a little bit different in MLS than it is in USL. Well, the thing I'm glad you said it because you talk about, yeah, the pace and style might be different, but when you have the same uh, system that you're playing and you do that repetition, then yeah, eventually you can get used to things, you know, such as, you know, better players and, and faster speeds when you have that, uh, when it becomes a, a habit of the nature that you're playing, where are you playing this position? This is what you do. You play this position is what you do. So even if you're, you're stepping up into different speeds, you eventually settle in because you realize, Hey, this is still the same way. You know, once yeah. you get used to it, you go, Hey, this is still the same way we've been playing for the last you know, five or six years down in the Academy. And, you know, with Red Bull too. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely how it's supposed to be. Uh, a lot of uh, B teams, they're supposed to uh, replicate the style, uh, the, the game idea, the game model from for the main team, so they could be act as a, as a feeder uh, team. Uh, and I think that the Rebels have done that to perfection. Uh, yes, the, 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 the game model, the game idea, the intent, uh, the counter press, that's all there. It does change a little bit with the uh, with the uh, with the players because each player has its own style, each player has their own tendencies. But overall, I think that once you understand that game idea and you subscribe uh, to the game idea and to the positioning and to where you need to move, I think that uh, the transition could be very very smooth.
Yeah, I think that's – I don't think it's one of the reasons why he left for France, but I think that was also part of some of the frustrations that Patrick Vieira had with NYCFC not having a real uh, legit B squad or USL team. I know they have affiliates down there, but having one that's their own team, which is you know maybe plays up in Hudson County or somewhere in Connecticut, which is nearby where they can entrench the same thing that the Red Bulls have done with RB2. So uh, – you know, you see some of the other teams in the league that have done it and other other teams that haven't, and you really see the difference with the players that come through the system, whereas other teams maybe having to resort to always looking to bring in players from other countries or other teams or you know, trying to spend more money to, to fix problems where they spent the money from in, within, it, eventually down the road, it, it, it pays for yeah. itself. And look, all you're doing really is you adding to your depth, to your depth, and... and- once you have that depth and you could interchange guys uh, that have game rhythm, that are playing at RB2, that could come in and, and play 90 minutes in the MLS level or even at 60 to 70 minutes in the MLS level, I think that the Red Bulls have a lot to gain with the fact that they have the setup that they have. And the MLS season is long. Uh, MLS season is played through the summer when it's the the, the hottest, and that takes mm-hmm. a lot of the players. And to be able to tap in uh, a, a group of players that goes beyond the normal 20, 21, 23 players that you have available to you, to your main team, that's just a, a very valuable resource that the Red Bulls have. Yeah, and you also throw in games like the U.S. Open Cup and also early in the year we have uh, CONCACAF Champions League. All right, back to the match, though. They make it 2-0, have a few more opportunities to possibly make it 3-0. Stefan Fry really had a, a good match for himself in goal despite you know getting the loss. Florian Valo had a bit of a, a, a bad miss there, which I was hoping that you'd just see the referee's flag go up for offside, or the, the linesman's flag go up for offside. But that was a brutal one. Almost came back to bite him. Harry Ship scored a goal. Almost came out of nowhere, though, that it wasn't as if they're really pressing. All of a sudden, he just had an opportunity. Bang, hits off the post and goes in 89th minute. After that, the Red Bulls sort of, you know, cl- you know clamped it down. You get the win. Uh, four points in the last two games. Now sit in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. 26 points after 14 games. Six points behind the leading Atlanta United, who have played two more games in the Red Bulls. Now, what I wanted to get back to, where I said I wanted to get back to Alex Muel. Um, Last point of the, the game. Yeah, at the end of the, at the end of the match, you know, he gets the ball. He's coming down the field. You know, he's killing time. You know, he's using his speed. He made some moves. Then, you know, he gets fouled right at there at the end, pretty much right as the the whistle is being blown, and uh, Royer is wide open. And yeah, I guess it almost looked like he was probably about to go to Royer, but he sort of <laughs> lost the ball and he's fouled. Just Roya's reaction, though, and yeah, I, I know he's wide open. I don't know what what uh what Roya was going to do if because if he was looking for another goal because all times the Red Bulls could have closed it out and he kept on trying to go for that second goal. I don't know if he was going to you know wanted a ball, knowing that it's right around the whistle he was going to take it off the side or no Roya he's you know he's feeling a hot streak. I thought he was probably wanted to go in and score a goal. Again. I could see at first you know sometimes guys like ah I was open. But the way he carried on afterwards, I'm going, well, wait a minute. You know, you got, you know, the final whistle went off. It's not as if the game was tied and you need this goal to win and stuff like that. You know, once the final whistle hit, you go, all right. You know, because I believe there was a foul in the play, so they were going to at least get the free kick there. They could have killed off the ball. I go, to me, that was a bit, you know, showing up and wheel, especially right at the end. You guys won the game. Yeah. Uh, to me, I mean, is that you- a little too much? 
<laughs> he was uh Royer was heated, man. Royer was very heated. Uh I think that Muil grabs the ball in the midfield line, takes on two or three guys, and he puts himself in a situation where there's a, a, a three Red Bull players with himself included against one uh Seattle defender. And all he really had to do is dish the ball either to the right yeah. or to the left. And I think he got a little bit carried away yeah, because I, he had he had dribbled three or four guys and he Yeah, and I, 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 I don't I'm not in Alex Muel's head. I don't I don't think anyone can be. But to me, I think he was going to to pass the ball down to Royer. Because I think the way he was coming out and finally saw him, I just think he just waited a second he was a second too late in doing so. But still, I mean, come on, you know, yeah, look, you know Dan, uh, Danny, you know, take it easy. He was there. heated, man. He was yeah. heated. I think he, he was heated all the way up to the tunnel. I, from and it kept the, the and the whole thing that game over. So even if he got the ball, they're probably gonna blow it dead anyway. He just so, uh, <laughs> he, he looked like one of those guys who was uh, looking at his uh, lottery ticket and he's getting all the numbers, but that last number. Yeah. <laughs> and he just he's just cursing at everyone because he just missed that last night. That's the way he was. He he was furious. He was heated, man. And that was that was he was so angry. And I even uh, was watching one of the interviews, uh, post game interviews, to see if he had mentioned anything. But uh, no, he didn't mention anything. But he was man. He yeah. was livid. He was livid because he thought that you uh, could have had you uh, could have had another chance. At the goal. All and, I have to say is with, with Royer, you know, you know yeah, and we, hold, hold yourself. Remember, you were in a slump early in the year, and also yeah. that now, now you're thinking you're uh, you're Gareth Bale here, or Cristiano, but holy Cristiano Ronaldo over here. Take yeah. it easy, buddy. You know, here's the other thing with Roy. Harry Kane. You know, here's the other thing with Royer. So Royer puts himself in the positions to finish. But he doesn't always finish. Yeah. So he Fry, was going to put a few, him... a few minutes before Fry st Stone called them one on one. Yeah. Uh, the, the, he was going to put himself in a good position, but there's no guarantee that he would have done any better than what Muil did. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, they got the win. They're moving on. Uh, just a few notes here before we get, uh, do a quick preview of the the U.S. Open Cup match. Red Bull two made uh, were victorious four to two over the Charlotte Independents in their return to Montclair State University after the stadium renovations were done. So good for them. They now travel to Pittsburgh for a Saturday night match against the Riverhounds. Now this is funny because they're playing in Pennsylvania, obviously the opposite side of the state. You know, at the same time as the Red Bulls are playing over in the Philadelphia area in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, I'm, they were. I was watching the halftime report with uh, Christian Dyer and Michelle Gingras. Um, Andreas uh, Ivan or Ivan, the new guy that's on trial. The other guy, the French guy, he's gone. Um, so now they have this new guy, 23-year-old Romanian winger who played in a fourth division in Germany, 23 years old. All right, I'm just going to mention. Fourth yeah, division, fourth, huh? fourth division, yeah. That's like the MPSL here. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's like the NASL. That's, you know, it's, you know. In a hiatus, so, uh, but I just figured I'd mention it. Uh, Christian also spoke about Matthew Ola Sunday. Apparently, the Red Bulls are still in discussions with him, a defender. There's negotiations going on, so he's someone that might be able to come in during the summer, mention help out, him. help uh, say, it. say it, Mike, say help, it. Uh, help the defense here for uh, get, get your reference. In, get your reference in there. Can buddy. you really you mention him being Manchester United when he's never <laughs> even played played for them? I mean, he's he he was on. 
he was on the U18 team last year, but then this past year, he was on the reserves team that got relegated. I mean, you don't really care about the reserves anyway. You know, you just, you know, a lot of your really good players that are young, they're either playing with the U18 team or they're off on loan or they're actually playing with the big club. Yeah. So, and he had some injury problems this year. So I don't really see him having much of a future there, especially, you know, there's guys, better guys ahead of him. Yeah. With, the, with Manchester United that are still having uh, tough times getting uh, playing time. So, yeah. This would be better. I think he came through the Red Bulls Academy system. So I think if they can pull this off, um, he's been playing with for the U.S. Yeah, he, he played for the U.S. team a few weeks ago uh, when they played down in North Carolina. So it'd be, it, I think it would be best for him for his career to come back at more playing time with the Red Bulls if they can work that out. Who or knows? You, you, you don't know what Mourinho's thinking these days. Who knows? Maybe he's got him starting week one against Leicester. They just had the Premier League schedules come out. And finally, as we mentioned before, the United bid with USA, Canada, and Mexico won the right to host the 2026 FIFA World Cup, the second time the U.S. will play host, the third time for Mexico, and Canada's first time. Way to go, Canada. Uh, Canada most of them, will, get, will get to qualify. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess there'll be, one te- there'll be one team fighting in the hex for the, um, the CONCACAF bid come that year. So, I mean, you think it will come down between teams like Honduras, you know, maybe Jamaica, Costa Rica, Panama. Yeah, but you never know, you know, it's going to be a bloodbath for that one spot. But, hey, it'll be great. And there's also uh, rumors that the, uh, the the final will take place at MetLife Stadium. To me, I think, uh, I don't know, I would go with the Rose Bowl. I think it's a better, uh, you know, aesthetically, it's a better uh, lo- looking venue than uh, that crap hole that's MetLife Stadium. So, no, I, so, yeah. I, I'm I'm with you, man. I think that when you look back at that uh, 94 World Cup, Brazil, Italy, uh, the final there, and uh, one of the images that I, I that I still remember from that World Cup is that final in that Rose Bowl and the jam packed sun Rose and the trees Bowl, that man. come up over you know because the Rose Bowl it's 93, 94,000, but the way that stadium is designed, it's partly sunken into the ground. Yes. So the, the rest of the team is out there. So you still see these trees off in the distance there in Pasadena. Yes, absolutely. I'm with you, man. I'm, I much of, uh, you know, for as much as I, I would love the final to be in this area, I think that uh, the Rose Bowl is really a, a, a field that uh, epitomizes, you know, the, the uh, your, your, your traditional football field or soccer field, if you yeah. will. Yeah. yeah. And I think I don't really see any MLS stadiums getting the call up to because this is going to be all in the big NFL stadiums, you know, yeah. because I, most of them are going to be to, to capacity. Even if it's matches that aren't big name teams, you could, you know, you're saying Kansas City instead of playing in in, uh, in their stadium, their MLS stadium, which is 18,000, you could play at Arrowhead Stadium that's 78,000. And yeah. say, even the worst case scenario, say if it's a match between two teams that aren't really big name and you get 50,000 fans there, that's still more than the 18,000. And it enables people if they want to you know, walk up the day of the game to buy tickets or, you know, yeah. all the different stock youth groups, even if it's not the United States play. And they can, you know, all these kids come up saying, hey, we got to attend a World Cup game. So, yeah, I don't see any stadiums. You know, they might host some practice. You know, some teams might be practicing in these facilities. But, yeah, I don't see any of them getting called up unless unlike, you know, maybe Seattle or Atlanta where they already play in these big stadiums to begin with. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. All right, so Saturday night when most of the teams are off, there's uh, most of the U.S. Open Cup matches uh, this next round. They're all this Saturday night, yeah, which is good because the World Cup being over in Russia, the matches are in the morning and the afternoon. So it's not as if they, you know, they're going up against an actual 
uh, World Cup match. So, you know, in the evening, eh, it's not too bad. You wake up, you watch the games on TV, and you head out to the match at night. Although this one, you'd have to head down the turnpike down to, to Chester, PA, right outside of, outside of Philly. Teams just a few weeks ago played at Red Bull Arena, played to a 0-0 draw. The Red Bulls knocked Philadelphia out of the U.S. Open Cup last year after Philadelphia had done it to them the few seasons prior to that. Ryan Mira makes the return in goal, and Jesse Marsh has said that he'll be starting not only this week, but for whatever remaining games that they are in the U.S. Open Cup, Ryan Mira. And he's obviously earned it with especially his great play last year in the U.S. Open Cup, but also you know subbing for um, – Luis Robles when he went down with injury in MLS play. Kaku makes his return back from uh, international duty with Paraguay. Now, I, we saw – this is a situation where you have to – you can only have a certain amount of international team, uh, teams, players that, that are eligible for it. I know we saw Kamar Lawrence go off around the 60th minute um, the other night. So he might be one of those guys that they are bringing into play – um, it'd be interesting to see. I know Bradley Wright Phillips doesn't count for that now because he's got a green card, so he's able to play. He doesn't count as the, the international spot. But one thing we always say with the rotation and uh, bringing in guys, uh, be interesting to see. I think the, for the most part, as strong as a lineup that you can go with, I, I think the Red Bulls are. They're going to have some maybe some young guys on the bench, maybe one or two that, that are playing. I think for the most part in this one, Alfredo, they, they want to get back to the final in the U.S. Open Cup. I think they're going to be playing, fielding a strong 11 come Saturday night. Yeah, I think they will uh, field the, the, the strongest uh, 11. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, he was saving players um, halfway the second ha halfway through the yeah. second half of that uh, of that Seattle game. So it's very possible that we will see uh, Kamara Lawrence and and as you mentioned, Ryan Mira, but uh, I think that Jesse Marsh is going to line up uh, his strongest lineup because um, winning the the U.S. Open uh, Open Cup will automatically get you uh, a spot in the CCL. Yeah, and you know what? That was something. I'm glad um, you brought that up because uh, Christian Dyer brought it up on the broadcast last night. Where yeah, a lot of times you think the U.S. Open Cup, you go ah, you know, the main focus, you know, winning MLS Cup and stuff like that. But that also does play a big role in it, though. You know what? You win this, and, and you get you know you get automatic entry into the Champions League. That means more money, more allocation money. So that once you get down to the was it round of sixteen right now? So you know they they got as good a shot as anyone. The way they're playing, you might even consider them to be the, the favorites to to take it. There's been some teams, uh, some of the you know, MLS sides, have been knocked off by smaller sides. So who knows? I know Philadelphia. Um, we saw what they had a couple of weeks ago. I don't know who they're missing right now. I was trying to get some reports. I didn't really see any uh, injury reports on them. Uh, I had a busy doing a few other things today as well. You know, they, this to me with the Red Bulls, they always they do have problems when they go down to Philadelphia. But I think after a few weeks ago when they played to a, a zero zero draw, this is something with Red Bulls. I think they got to come out and say, hey, you know what, we owe Philadelphia one here. Yeah, we beat them in the tournament last year, but let's just think the few, few previous years. Although I say that a lot of those guys who are on those teams that lost are, are gone to begin with. But I think you know Jesse would remind them, hey, this is a team a few weeks ago ended your winning streak, came into your 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 building and held, you know, took away a point or a place yeah. where you, you guys have been winning a lot. So yeah, I, I think this is something where they they gotta come out strong against Philly and just yeah, you know, right from the get go. Yeah. And, and look, heading into the break, also you want to make sure that you finish this uh, this run of games 
um, strong, right? Uh, because you're going to have a few days off. You're going to get to watch the uh, the World Cup. You're still going to be training, but you you want to you yeah. want to stamp uh, uh, your place in in the next uh, round of the U.S. Open Cup. And as you mentioned, uh, Philadelphia being a team that came into Red, the Red Bull Arena and, and uh, gave the Red Bulls the, their first tie of uh, of uh, of the season. Uh, I think that uh, the Rebels should really uh, look to be getting back to this uh to this winning ways against uh against philadelphia all right we shall see come saturday night um they will probably watch that coverage online i'm going to the yankee game during the day so i'll come back at, at night uh fire up the laptop and the air conditioner and, and see how the red bulls are doing for any of the red bull fans making a trip i know probably quite a few will be making it down either by cars or by bus enjoy enjoy the trip be safe watch out for those uh, philadelphia fans um then again some of them might still be hung over from the eagles winning who knows you know they had the eagles win i think villanova won the national championship so go down there and uh give it to them be loud scream hey if you want to hold up a full of bulls banner yeah it'll be great <laughs> alfredo uh, enjoy the weekend enjoy the world cup matches i know you have your portugal playing uh, if people are listening to this we're recording this thursday night so if you're listening to it on the way to the game on saturday yeah we don't you know that that game might be done with right now, but tomorrow, big one, no Portugal and Spain. So that, that that'll be a fun one to watch. I'll be watching that at work on my yep. on my tablet that I have right over here. So enjoy that. Enjoy the rest of the matches, and we'll be back here next week. See you, Mike. All right, file friend Fumasis, Mike Corbett. Thanks again. Full of Bulls podcast. Good night. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and visit our Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. This has been a presentation of the Full of Bulls Podcast. Thank you for listening.